This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek show number 405, recorded on June 6th, 2019. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Carlson, broadcasting live from a flooded again, Mike. I can't, I can't believe, like, it just doesn't stop raining. I mean, it's I'm only dark. for the last two days. We either have flood rain or crazy hot, muggy weather because of all the rain that's on the ground. It's evaporating. It's humid. It's And the Missouri has flooded again. Uh, I-29 opened up for like a week between Kansas City and Omaha. Flooded again. And uh, we just can't seem to catch a break. On the water, if you're one of those in those flood conditions, sorry about that. I uh, hope everything's safe. Of course, we post a show with world-class show notes each week out at TheAverageGuy.tv. Don't forget, you can join us live on the mobile app. Great way to do it. HomeGadgetGeeks.com gets you there. want to thank our Patreon subscribers who every single month, I just picked up that subscription for your Patreon just a few days ago, and we appreciate your sponsorship of the show keeps that rolling, helps me kind of pay for it every year. And so we appreciate it. If you want to participate, the average guy.tv slash Patreon, I've got a dollar and $5, super simple. Every month just comes right out and we appreciate your sponsorship of the show. Don't forget, you can join us on discord, the average guy.tv slash discord. We pick up a couple every week. I think we're up to, oh, I don't know what we're up to, Mike. What do you think? 75, 80 now yeah, or something right around in, there. in that group. So join us, the average guy.tv slash discord we're thankful for all those in the chat room tonight we were gonna talk a little bit we got some conversation we're gonna make some father's day tips i got a reader i got uh, a listener email a really good one Uh, mike's gonna come in with some apple news and then mike's got a little review on some stuff he's been working on we might mention a little unraid in that so we'll do that maybe, to, maybe. well we'll do that towards if you guys are good if you're well behaved we'll mention some unraid <laughs> do that to the end of the show mike father's day coming up do you guys have any father's day traditions there at the uh, the weaker house we are always with family at some point just depends on who and what actually but next weekend for father's day we are going to be at a hot air balloon festival down uh with my wife's family down at the farm so in their local town they have a hot air balloon festival kind of cool we'll be down there sweet i'm hoping uh, Father's Day, um, a new tradition. I'm gonna smoke a cigar. I know that's like a huge shock. Actually, <laughs> I talk about this way more than I actually do it. So, that's, like, that's a good point. It, it and and it's actually good that I do that because if I actually did it as often as I talk about it, it'd be a really unhealthy habit. And and you know, some of you have been listening about you know for that for a while. I know you're giving me some crap about it, and that's okay. I appreciate that. Um, some of you have liked it, some of you haven't, and that's okay. Um, one of the things uh, I was even going to do it. So last night I had taken cigars with me. We were, we had, a, we've had a huge conference going on for Clifton Strengths, my job. And I got to a podcast in front of 350 people live, which was super cool. Like this is fun. Love having the chat room, all those great things, but doing it live and, you know, in live streaming in front of 350, we probably had another hundred or so on the live stream. Pretty freaking sweet. And, uh, and so, I have no idea where I was going with that. Oh, cigars. So I took the, I took the, I took a bag full and put them in my, put them in the trunk and to try and keep them kind of the temperature kind of down on them, right? Parked in the shade and some of those things. And then we never did it. So that's what happens to me a lot. You and I were going to try to get together last week and you ping me and I'm like, oh no, I'm, 
I'm too busy this weekend. But Father's Day gifts, one of the things um, I recommend, I bought this a while back and uh, and I think I talked about it, but um, Amazon has these acrylic humidors. And I think when most people think of cigar humidors, they think of those boxes, right? And, and in the time I've been doing this, um, I have found that these acrylic, they have a seal and they're just, they're just dead tight when it comes to keeping the humidity in your scars. And so if you're a scar guy or you're thinking about doing that, it does come with a, uh, you know, a moisture stick, basically you put just a few drops and this thing is so tight. Like when I put the, the initial, um, and you don't have to season it right with the wood boxes, you got to kind of season them, work them a little bit, get them worked in and stuff. Mine kind of leaks. If you are going to buy a wood one, buy kind of buy a more expensive one when you're doing that. But $20 for these acrylic ones. They've got a humistat right on the end there, kind of tell you what they should be. They've Mike, it's sealed up well. I think, I don't know, it's probably been, maybe been two months since I picked this up. I can't remember. Maybe a month, maybe two. Anyway, stays at 70%, which is what I like really well. When I first put the, the moisture thing in there, moisture stick, it actually took it too high. I had to take it out. And then seal it up because it was running about 80 or 90%. You don't want to get cigars too humid in there. Um, 70, you know, 68 to 72 kind of is what they recommend. But really cool. Good Father's Day gift. So if you have a, if your dad or such into cigars, I have found 20 bucks. Like I, it's been, Mike, it's the best 20 bucks I've spent on a humidor. I also picked up a couple sweet uh, lighters for that. Did I tell you that? Have I told that story on here? No, I don't believe so. So, Went on Amazon, picked up a couple lighters, just a couple torches, and there were two, well, it was said four for 20 bucks. And I'm like, okay, I just wanted them to be able to take them around. You can refill them super yeah. easy with the butane, right? See through all that stuff. Just pretty basic punch on the end. So they uh, they shipped me two. And then, and then I got an email that says, hey, someone hacked our site and they bumped the thing up to four. And I, it said four, so we're going to send you four. So I got the two and then two days later, two more came for, and they honored it, which I thought was really interesting, like for Amazon and they're not, you know, it wasn't Amazon. It was another company being fulfilled by Amazon, but I really thought that was interesting that they're like, well, we're going to, I know we said this, so we're going to do it anyways. I was kind of expecting, oh, a mistake was made. You got two. I don't know. Right. I mean, it. But, so they honored, like they honored it. And so I picked up four, I got four for 20 bucks, which is okay by me. I was just surprised it came that way. I don't know. I guess that's, they have to do that. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I don't think they'd, I mean, they're going to get the complaints if they don't. Uh, and I think that, you know, I, I don't know. This would be a good question for contract law. Maybe we take this and, and yeah. apply it, whether, you know, was the contract for four for 20? And if I didn't, can I cancel my order? So probably yeah. just good that they did. It's probably goodwill. And at that price point, you're like, you don't want to piss somebody off over no, over twenty. those lighters or... Uh, and, they, they cost 95 cents to make in China, right. right? And if they were a brand that had other items, you know, how likely are you to be like, oh man, yeah, that, like you were impressed the fact that they honored it, right? So you might go back and spend more money. It's it's a good play for them. And exactly, they're not going to lose any money on this. Their profit margin went down a little bit, but yeah. works out for them. Well, it worked out pretty cool. Uh, Joe sent us an email. He's been out and he said, hey, Jim, made it back on a dry land and reality. And unfortunately, and I understand that Joe as well. He says, uh, all the cigar gift shops that I went to in Belize and Mexico sold fake Cubans, which is super common. I've been watching a, uh, a podcast called Cigars Daily, Mike, which if you're, you're thinking, you know, if you're into this, pretty cool. He kind of reviews some stuff, a little eight minute cigar video where he kind of covers. He's kind of cool because he's, he's kind of like, he's kind of like new school with this. 
in any what do you mean fun, by that? like I don't know, it just doesn't feel like the old stodgy cigar, okay. you know, stuff. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. and he's like, look, never don't don't let anybody tell you how you should do it. You do it the way you want to do it. Because there's you know, V cut, flat cut, punch, right? And then there's a whole bunch of people. How do you light the thing, right? You know, and uh, and he's like, just you do it how you want. But so which is, which is pretty cool. I like the guy, and he talks real fast, seven minutes kind of thing. Uh, Cigars daily is what it is. But um, and he was he's got some video on how you tell a fake from a real, and the fake ones and you know is, are all over. So uh, Joe, I appreciate you recognizing that they're fake. So he said, uh, in any case, I did pick up a couple on the gift shop. On the ship for you and Mike. So, Joe, thanks for picking those up. We're excited Joe, to get those. Taking over his favorite and, listener. You know, no, that... I didn't say that. We don't have fav- <laughs> we don't pick favorites here. But, you know, right now, that sounds like a pretty good deal. No, pretty great. We appreciate that. That's super cool, by the way, to for, you know, as you guys listeners, when you do that kind of stuff, super nice and uh, and appreciate that. So, Joe, thanks for thanks for that note. And then last week, uh, I sent an episode downstream. That was, I love my daughter being on the show so much. I just put two or four Oh three down the channel with four Oh four. It just means I didn't change, you know, I didn't change the URL and I just copy and pasted the wrong one. So sorry about that. If you, you got it and you're like, Oh, it's a duplicate. I've, I replaced it right away. Well, Sunday night, maybe something like that late Sunday night. So if you, if you got it, you delete it. It's there now. Just Delete it, refresh, re-download, and a good show last week. And so you might want to get it. Mike, we've had uh, WWDC come and go. A few announcements. I'm going to just turn this one over to you because I don't freaking care. No, I'm just kidding. What uh, what they announce? So we had a lot. You know, a lot of people who follow Apple um, said that this was one of the most packed two and a half hour presentations. It was, I think, it was about two two and change. And there was a lot of announcements. So I would encourage you guys, what I'm going to do for you, you know, I, I know that the Apple fandom here is, is limited. So I decided I picked four of my favorite announcements that they made and kind of giving you guys just quick, four quick highlights. There's a ton of videos out there where you guys can get a kind of a, a recap, a 13 minute recap. If you're interested in Apple and want the full rundown, um, you guys can definitely find that. But they did have a lot of big announcements here. And a lot of, and big, I say, kind of in air quotes, because, you know, they have some announcements here. They actually announced hardware and we'll get to that in a second, but they also announced hardware announcements that I think um, may not sound big, but they have a lot of impact, I think, as Apple starts to move forward in what they want to do. So we'll kind of cover a few here. And so I'll, I'll do, I'll pick my four favorites. So number one, my top favorite aspect of what they announced was sign in with Apple. So, I mean, if you guys have been on the web ever, you know, there's always options when you go to a website to log in, you can log in with Facebook, you can log in with Google, or you can, you know, create your own email address account, whatever you want to do. So now Apple is offering sign with Apple, which, you know, at first blush, like, okay, great. Another way that you can sign into websites, but what they're doing on the back end is really cool here. So we all know that Apple's big push lately has been for privacy and user control of that privacy. So what they're doing with sign in with Apple is when you sign up, you have direct control over what information you give them and they go even a step further. So let's say we are signing up for Uber and you're going to sign up for Uber and you want obviously to receive emails from your receipts and you want them to be able to contact you with certain specials and stuff like that. Great. But at the same time, you know, those sort of email blasts can get annoying because they're going to send you emails and over, you know, all the latest offers they have and everything like that. So what Apple does 
is they actually don't give them your real email address. What they do is they give them a forwarded address. So it's some random digit at mail forwarder dot whatever dot apple.com, some email address that then that address will forward on to your personal address. And each app that you use with signing with Apple gets its own forwarded email address. It's not the same one for your entire account. And what that means is that if you ever get tired of getting emails from Uber, you know, go in and delete that single email address from the forwarder and it, it, they never had your personal email address. Once you forward that, they have no way to contact your personal email. And so they have a lot of different scenarios where they're able to protect your privacy, give you more granular control over what you do. And, you know, I struggle with this because I, for, you know, for about a few months after they started doing the login with Facebook, a few of my accounts are still tied to Facebook and I hate it. I'm actually looking to see if there's a way to convert those back out to standard email addresses because it did what Facebook wanted. It's sticky, right? It locks you into that ecosystem where now if your logins are all tied to them, uh, if you get rid of your Facebook, you can't really log into stuff anymore. So sign in with Apple, I saw was a huge benefit, especially if you're on Apple devices, because you have Face ID, you have Touch ID if you're on other devices where you can log into those accounts and, and it's a breeze. So really cool. That was my favorite thing. I think I'm going to use that now. That'll probably be my default sign in is signing with Apple simply because of that email um, service is kind of the, the biggest part of that. Mark is asking the question, how do they handle email verification or yeah, handle email verification emails when signing up for a new service? So all it is is a forwarding email. So that email goes and for, I mean, for all intents and purposes, that email is still going to come to your inbox. So I'm not saying it, it doesn't eliminate the emails you get because you don't want that. You don't not want to get emails. You're going to need the confirmation. You're going to want receipts. You're going to want offers. Maybe you do want offers from them. All it does is it forwards that email. So those verifications are still going to work. Um, it's just that you can always turn them off uh, if you ever don't want to receive them again. So you think you'll move that direction and start moving things over? Yeah, or? I think I will. I think I'll start doing some sign-ins with Apple's and see. Uh, the only interesting part for me that I'm going to see is, you know, how does that work with uh, non-Apple devices, mm. right? So that that will be the thing for me is if it's something like Uber, where I know that for Uber, I'm always using my phone. I don't access Uber from any other device. That'll make sense for me. Um, but for things like Facebook, uh, obviously Facebook wouldn't have that, but that's a bad example. Other sites where I'm going to access it on non-Apple devices, I'll have to kind of see how that's all going to work. So a lot of the details, I don't think we don't really know yet on how it's going to work. So when it comes out later this fall, um, I'll have to see. But for certain applications that I only use on my phone, yeah, I think that's definitely the way I'll go. Yeah, cool. What else? So the next thing, and I, I kind of is, is two different announcements here. So they, number one, they released, um, they released iPad OS. So before they have always said, just said iOS and iOS applied to all their mobile line, right? So you had your iPhones and your iPads both running on iOS. So now they have announced that they're shifting and breaking out iPad into its own operating system. Now, there are a bunch of other features that they announced with iPad OS that we won't get into. You know, some highlights were multi-window of the same app. So, for example, if you're comparing two Word documents or uh, if you're using pages from Apple, you can actually have two different windows of the same application up just like you would on a desktop before that hasn't been possible. Things like that that make sense on an iPad, which is the larger screen where you can actually do some of that stuff. But I think really what the big kind of overarching theme here is, is that they're finally admitting and they're working towards making iPad a completely kind of different system 
and they're they're not locking it into having have to be the same as the iPhone. And I think that's been the big limitation of the iPad. And people have been complaining that you have this iPad with all this horsepower. When you look at the specs of an iPad, it's actually a really powerful machine. But without a lot of the main capabilities of a desktop, you're never utilizing the full power. It's been my main complaint about the iPad. It's really why I haven't utilized an iPad as a daily driver because it's so limited by iOS. So hopefully, I think some of the announcement they, announcements they made for iPad OS are good. But what I'm excited for is to see the future of where iPadOS goes and seeing really the capabilities they give these iPads and and maybe looking a little bit more like um, you know a Windows tablet where on the Surface where you're able to have a mobile and a full desktop experience all in one. I think that's the direction they'll start to go with iPadOS is having a lot more desktop-like capabilities built in. And then, Mike, do, yeah. do, you get, do you get a sense? Let me ask you a quick question here. Do you get a sense that I mean, I get a sense that iPads, they just don't have the, they don't have the the um, you know the excitement they used to have around them. I mean, when they first came out, like everybody had an iPad. It was like the watch now. Like, yeah. I see so many Apple watches now. Like, it just seems to be the the go to watch. Um, I don't know. You're close a little bit closer to this iPad sales. I mean, they're making changes, so there must they must be okay. But it just kind of seems like it's a, you know, whatever lackluster sales. You you might know more. Am I, am I wrong on that? I think we're starting to see a lot more people. So um, there, there's a few things to that. I think when you think of media consumption, phones have gotten bigger from Apple. So if you're an Apple fanboy, your phone's gotten a little bit bigger. And when your phone's not big enough... Now, almost everyone has an ability to make their TV stream media. And what I mean by that is back in the day, if I asked my parents to be able to watch YouTube on their TV, watch Netflix on their TV, they might not have had a device. They had their cable box and they had their VCR and their DVD player. (laughs) But my parents might not have had a device, especially on every TV. They might have had like maybe one device that had an Apple TV, maybe. Um, But now with the advent of pretty much every TV being smart and just the advent of pretty much everyone now has a streaming device, whether it's Apple TVs, Roku's, they have the ability to stream media on their full size TV. I think the media consumption now has come down to why don't the iPad kind of lost its place, especially for people who needed just a bigger screen than their phone, but maybe didn't want to watch it on their TV for some reason. I think now it's your phone's a little bit bigger. And then you have your TV. So that, that's for the media consumption side. And then I think what people started to realize was after the iPad lost its luster from being new, um, there's just, there's really, and a lot of times, your laptop is so much better than your iPad for doing things, right? Because they hadn't separated this out yet. The iPad was limited to essentially what your phone could do. It was a big iPhone. That's still what it is until, until they come out with this new OS and until they do stuff. It's a, it's a big iPhone. Yes, there were certain features that it could and couldn't do, but it's just a bigger screen iPhone. And uh, I think that really lost its appeal with a lot of people. Now, trust me, there are tons of industries where they are still fantastic devices. You think of the medical industry when you're walking around hospitals and people have the iPad, great device. You think of salesmen, love it. Salespeople love being able to travel with that iPad when they're not doing too much entry into it, especially uh, not needing to sit down and and type up a Word doc or uh, access file shares. Now, I will quickly mention since you brought it up, the other big part of this uh, announcement with uh, this is with across the board, iOS, iPadOS is file management on these is finally 
catching up to the rest of the world, meaning that you actually have an actual file structure in when you access your files on your iPad. You can plug in an SD card and just go to files and access it like you would on a desktop. Um, you can access all that sort of stuff same in, a, in the same file structure, um, whereas the iPad before was more app-centric, right? You had to access your files. Maybe you went to the Dropbox app and you had to open with Dropbox or open with something. It just didn't make any sense. And now everything really jives into that files app that they have so much so that even like my next cloud instance is logged into files and I can go into files on iPad and pull something from my next cloud share. Uh, it just makes a lot of sense. So there are a lot of updates there. I'm seeing a lot of iPads show up as security, you know, security devices. That's it's how you sign into a corporate, you go in, there's an iPad there, you yeah. sign in, go into schools. That's how you check in, attach to a printer, prints a badge, put it on. And I was kind of thinking, is that, I mean, is that the smartest thing? But I guess they're probably using the lowest end iPads, which are coming in at like two two fifty. Um, Brian is talking about his iPad Pro, which can't is not two fifty. I imagine, right? Those pros. What's the pro price price point? Oh, uh, you're days? looking at a grand plus. Okay. Yeah. So it's still pretty expensive uh, in, in that in that area. But interesting. I just it's it's tablets have. And, and I guess I'm your typical user where I have really switched a hundred percent to my phone. Like I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that big device when I'm in a plane, a movie is fine on my, and I have an eight plus a movie is fine at that space. If I want to, if I'm going to be home, I'm not going to watch a movie on an iPad at home. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, at this point I'm running my RT tablet on the desk as well as a surface pro three. I don't use those like tablets. Like I use them like computers for the most part. So it's, um, I still have that Hubitat router. I need to plug in. I'm going to, I'm going to put it on one of these, you know, one of these devices, at least for the browser window, but it, I don't, I don't know. I have, I am definitely a phone. It's either phone or I'm going full power on the computers. Right. Just, I've kind of abandoned that space. So maybe that's, and, and that's been me too. And I think a lot of people have done that. There are, I'm, I'm just, Brian's a perfect example. If you have your use case and you get into your routine with your iPad, there are still people who, you know, love them. And, you know, I say that as I have my iPad right here and it's what I watch TV on down here while I'm on my computer, right? Because right. it's, it's an extra screen yep. where it's on YouTube TV and it plays that while I'm sitting here. So, I mean, I say that while I, I still have this one in a very specific purpose down here, because I usually have two monitors where I'm doing work and I just need some other device to play, uh, to play media. So, yeah. Yeah. What else? So uh, I know this is a small part of the announcement, but I thought it was really cool. And this is Bluetooth audio sharing. So the example would be Jim and I are going on a trip together and we're in a plane and we want to use my iPad, but we both want to listen to watch a movie. And now it makes it super easy. Jim just taps his phone on the iPad. And as long as we're both wearing Bluetooth headsets, um, they use the example of AirPods, but I'm 99% sure this is going to work with any Bluetooth headset. It doesn't have to be the uh, AirPods. You can now share the audio and you can both be listening from the same device. So I, I didn't know if this is out there in other, is this on Android? Does Android offer this capability? You know, this mm. is a Bluetooth 5.0 feature. So I, you know, I'm also not sure on different hardware what's going to, work with us and what won't but a very i mean this is exactly going back to like the splitter days i remember always having a splitter and listening yeah. with a friend to music yeah. on the way to soccer games and stuff like that so uh, a small feature but i think actually that will probably be the number one used feature from the update from the majority of people i think a lot of people will end up using that i think of a lot of times where hannah and i would love to be able to do that i mentioned to you the bose app will do that so i have the quiet comfort 35 sarah has the 25s 
And uh, so we can use the Bose app to share that that way now. Now, that's very specific to Bose, of course. If you want any company that's more tight to their ecosystem than Apple, just buy Bose. Like, right. that, yeah, they are, I mean, they're, they're very, very exclusive. Although they do have Android or they do have uh, Google, the Google Assistant now on the on the you know on the devices as well i can't really talk tonight so i'm just going to shut up here in a second but that's that's a pretty cool way of doing it too if we were traveling together we could now we wouldn't to be honest with you she listens to some stuff and eh, you listen to your thing i'm going to listen to podcasts right so we wouldn't do that but it's a handy feature for sure well what i think of it for is my kids right because they both want to watch the same True. thing and watch yes. it with the ipad but then yes. it's how do they both listen to it on an airplane right. i think it'll be a, right. a lifesaver for kids now does that mean i'm buying my kids each 150 pair of airpods uh probably yeah, yeah. probably does yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right and then the final one that i kind of want to mention for you guys is the, the the hardware announcement of the show and you know this is where you Windows guys, you PC guys might actually tip your hat to Apple and say, okay, you, you did one thing right, finally. Um, so Apple released their new Mac Pro. And yes, it is. A, it, I think they're literally playing off the joke that the two generations ago, the former Mac Pro, not the trash can, but the cheese grater that they called it, this thing looks identical to a cheese grater. I mean, they literally took a cheese grater and this is the form factor. When you look at it, looks exactly like a cheese grater. Um, but the new Mac Pro is their new Pro line. Now, this is definitely Pro. And I know there are a lot of users, you know, home users out there that consider themselves Pro. This is really Pro. I mean, this is starting at $6,000 and no one's going to buy the six grand version um, just because of the different options as you go up. You're probably more looking at um, a 10 to 12 grand computer for the Pro level. But when you look at this thing, this thing has PCI expansion shut. I can't talk tonight either. <laughs> PCI expansion slots. The entire case removes with one twist. Obviously, it's Apple, so they made it really elegant, right? Twist the top, the whole top comes off. And user accessible slots that you can fully customize and upgrade. Um, the, the RAM, the PCI slots, all of that is user accessible. Um, the DIMMs in there, you can put over a terabyte of RAM in this machine. Just insane. Terabyte of RAM. You got eight PCI expansion slots, like I said, and they came out with a bunch of actually their own video cards. And I am not a video graphics card guy. I am not the one to tell you about this. So go listen to Marquez Brownlee or go listen to someone who's, um, go listen to Linus Tech Tips. They did a really good actually review of this. They can give you the really good specs, but you know they have created custom cards if you want for those expansion slots. Uh, but overall, this machine, I mean, we're talking about Xeons with, I think, 32 cores, 64 threads up at the top end. Uh, I mean, a very, very powerful machine. You got two 10 gig Ethernet ports on the back, a lot of Thunderbolt built in. Essentially, what I'm saying is this is the user expandable, upgradable pro that every Mac user that wants and can afford this line and needs this line has been looking for for you know the past 20 years so it's it's nice i did i really liked seeing the direction they went it was finally like they just said like okay fine like okay fine <laughs> we'll we'll give it to you you guys want a pro you want the top end now it's gonna cost you right there's still the apple tax on this thing uh not terrible apple tax i think when you start to do the math on some of the stuff you get and especially with all the features and the 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 mac nature of it 
But uh, so don't get me wrong. It's not cheap, but for the pro level, this is what people wanted. This is exactly what everyone wanted. So I think they're very happy. If you are a pro that needed this, um, this is what you wanted. And along with that, they released their pro display H XDR. And again, like I said, not a display guy. So I'm, I'm the wrong person to give you all the specs on this, but I've done my research and I've, I've, I've read the reviews of all the right people who do know. And this is, the display that you want this compares to the pro level displays that they are using in you know hollywood to edit their videos um it's i think i'm gonna get the number right but the brightness level on this thing is insane the one million to one contrast ratio i think is what they said uh you've i mean this display is a pro display now of course Everyone heard the joke, and it's not a joke. It's it's real, but everyone's making fun of them. This, this is a $5,000 display, which sounds expensive, but the comparison that people are making of this display, when you look at the, the specs of this display, people are comparing it to a twenty-five dollars to $30,000 display. I didn't know that existed, Jim. <laughs> I didn't know there was such thing as a twenty-five, dollars $40,000 display. I should have. You know, when you get to the movie industry and a lot of the people who need those type of detail on their graphics, uh, I should have known that it was there. But I mean, they're comparing this to some very high-end displays. So pretty good display. Uh, but the joke is it's a $5,000. If you want the stand for it, it's an extra thousand dollars. <laughs> so they have a thousand dollars and and that's not like an extra stand. That is like if you want to be able to put your your display up and you don't have a visa mount. Oh, it doesn't come with visa accessible right out of the box. That's two hundred dollars. <laughs> so if you want the visa adapter, that's two hundred. Um, or if you want to put it on just on a stand, that's a thousand. Oh, wow. But um, you know, you know, Mark has made a good point. He goes, you just, you know, they really missed a point. Call it a $6,000 monitor. And hey, if you don't need the stand, if you already have your stand, then it's 5000 That's really what they should have done. They should have done it the opposite way right. of calling it a $6,000 monitor. And if you, hey, you don't need the stand, if you have visa mounts or whatever, uh, you can pull that back. But it is an 8K display. Um, and and really, the, the, the things that it can it can do are, are pretty amazing. So, uh, so those were kind of my top four picks. If I had to add in one honorable mention, only because I'm a male, so this wasn't as big for me. But if you ask my wife, this is probably number one feature. Really cool. Something they've been asking for for a while is um, on the watch. And it's actually not just for the watch, but they announced it as part of the watch announcement. They have cycle tracking for women. Um, so being able to track the cycle, very important, you know, for women's health, that's a, that's a big task. And they're able to put in inputs about, you know, the, you know, all the details that they need to put in about it um, gives them certain alerts for, you know, if you're fertility times, so if you're in your time of your life where you're um, trying to have kids, you can have those sort of alerts, though that sort of data. And for the first time, actually, they separate that out. You don't need an Apple Watch to do that. That's going to be in the health app. So if you have an iPhone um, for any woman, you can go ahead and start tracking that data. And, uh, you know, that's been a big ask for a long time. I think that's something, you know, we're a large majority of male listeners. We don't really think about that much, but, um, you know, kind of menstrual cycle health is a, is a really big thing and, and getting those type of alerts and being able to track that sort of data, uh, plays a big part in women's lives. So I think that'll be really cool. I actually told my wife and she goes, was that like the main announcement? And I was like, well, it was a big one. She goes, I mean, it's really cool, but like, I didn't think that would be like some big headlining issue. I can hear Hannah saying that now. Well, and does it have sync with the guy, with the, you know, the guys watch too. So like, he knows when this thing starts happening, it's like, yeah, Yeah. you want to stay out tonight. Stay away. Yeah. Just, 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 just have one more. 
right or before you get home right or, exactly or, or what have it you it correlates to the men's watch on uh yeah <laughs> it just sends the alert we're not, um, i'm gonna stop talking before i get in trouble my, yeah, they, yeah, no, no, you should. I'm, I'm good but you're, you're definitely <laughs> not um the this kind of reminds me these pricing points kind of remind me of like this is almost like a bubble like this you see these kinds of things before bubbles burst where companies create the most ridiculous products that are hyper expensive. And, you know, you kind of go, this is really, I mean, if this is an announcement and they're really hoping to sell these, is that market really there now? Maybe, well, in, okay. maybe in the pro market. Yes, where and that's what, that's what this yeah, is for. They are not product. claiming this to be, yeah. this is not, because you got to remember, they also have the iMac pro. Right. And the iMac. And so they, I mean, you can step down. This is, this is the premier product for those. I mean, this is literally going into, into movie studios, mm -hmm. right? That's where this is going. Yeah. Um, this is not going to be purchased by the average person. And that's, I think a lot of people kind of, they get, they watch WWDC and they think it's all, you know, we forget it's for developers. Right. And then they do, they do need to announce their pro line that they haven't updated in a while, but no. I, so I don't think so. Cause when you look at the prices for everything else, Apple's actually gone the opposite way. We've seen them on other, in other areas where there used to be a huge Apple tax and we've seen it come down a little bit. Obviously you are going to pay a premium for Apple products, but we've seen that margin come down quite a bit for a similarly specced PC. So uh, I think this is, we just got to remember this is for professionals. And when we say pros, um, we all like to think we're pros for real pros, the professionals who are doing this for their career and they need that kind of horsepower. Yeah, no, for sure. I get it. Uh, I haven't looked at the whole line. So maybe that's kind of the sticker price shock. And it is a little interesting. I kind of thought these kind of pros would want, want their PCs kind of pre-configured. They buy them, they put them in, they don't, they don't, they don't add to them. So I am a little surprised of all the custom configuration, but maybe I'm not in that space. Maybe that space are, is in a way where you buy things and then add other stuff to them. It's pretty decked out, out the shoot. I don't know what else I might put in there. You know, I guess it's, you can put a couple more hard drives in there. It's got a couple SATA ports, maybe upgrade the RAM, but in most cases, if it's studios buying it, they're just going to buy it with the right amount of RAM to begin with. Yeah. Like it's the consumers who buy it and upgrade, I think, in, in my opinion. Maybe not. Like that's a, again, that's a space I don't know, but that's well, I think what people were talking about was like for red cameras and for things like that, there's a lot of PCI stuff that you could adapt to as outside hardware changes. You need to change your internals of your pro computer to be able to ingest that media or do certain things, or you know, there's a new way to to process and handle that data. And there's a new card that could do that. I think they do upgrade those sort of, um, those sort of devices on the inside, but you're right. As far as like CPU and Ram, I don't think studios are going in there and adding Ram or adding CPU, but I think for PCI expansion, that was a big, um, give for them to finally say, okay, we'll, we'll give you that. Yeah. Well, I know it was a big, a lot, a lot of people were screaming for it. And the form factor, I really like when you look at it, like I said, it looks like a cheese grater, but you can get the option for actually wheels on the bottom. So I, I see people actually, that's a, in these type of studios that works well. And it's also rack mountable, which was a big request from everyone was I want to be able to put a ton of these in a rack and essentially have like a rendering farm, yeah. right? Where you're rendering out to all this stuff. Yeah. So pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, those studios, they look at pricing differently. 
a little bit, right? I mean, you're yes, you're really bidding out a job or where the services are there, and you know the really the customer. This gets passed on to the customer. So the faster you can render, or the faster you can, you know, you can get things uh, rolling on this, or the 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 more capable they are. Of course, the quicker you can get it done, and the that's your profit margin. So of course you're going for the high end, right? Uh, on those, yeah, no, super cool, cool. Anything else from WWDC? No, like I said, there's a lot of stuff that came out of WWDC, really cool stuff. Um, but these were my favorite top four items I want to talk about. All right, you've got uh, you got some updates on your uh, on your Unraid box. I do. I okay. You guys know I love talking about Unraid, and I was trying to convince Jim to let me have some time, you know, talk about Unraid a little bit. But I kind of wanted to go over what I first of all my my Unraid box and what I use it for, and maybe some things that. Uh, some of our listeners even haven't thought about using their Unraid box for or just how I accomplish my tasks and what I do. So when you jump into my Unraid box, you got to remember that my whole idea with Unraid was using older hardware that was sitting there that could easily do what I needed to do for a server. And so when you hear the specs of it, it you know, it's kind of surprising how old some of this stuff is um, or sometimes how underpowered it is. But it works really well for what I need it to. So my Unraid box, uh, it's using a gigabyte motherboard, really old. Uh, it'll be in the show notes of the model. It's an H67M D2 B3 motherboard um, from a long time ago. I don't even know when this thing came out, but I mean, it's it's an old motherboard. So, I mean, we don't even have USB 3 ports on this thing. It's, it's old, but it works perfect for what I need it to do because it has actually six SATA ports, which was great on board and then able to adding in some LGA cards later to add in some other cards. But... It's got an Intel i7-3770 CPU, uh, 16 gigs of RAM, seven spinners, two SSDs, uh, which gives it 18 terabytes of usable space on the array. And uh, those two SSDs are rated to have a 500 gig uh, cache pool. So that's those are the specs of the machine. Now, when I get into what I use this machine for, obviously with Unraid, it's all about having your own home server. And you guys, all the listeners here are no uh, strangers to home servers, right? That's where this show came out of. Um, so a lot of the same use cases have applied for, you know, for decades, right? I needed home storage for documents. I needed syncing capability, backup, media storage, media server to be able to play that media out. And also now there have been some other use cases that have come out of it that I really didn't think about self-hosting, but with Unraid, it really does give you the, the ability to do. So the first, the main thing that makes everything useful on Unraid, and it was the first app that I didn't, I had never played with before. Uh, and it was really a, a concept I had never needed to play with before was getting a reverse proxy set up. And real quick, for anyone who hasn't experienced what a reverse proxy is, a reverse proxy, essentially what you can think about it as, is it sits behind your firewall, behind your router. And what it allows it to do is allows your router to open up one port to pass to your reverse proxy. And then your reverse proxy then tells it if you have people from outside of your network requesting certain servers, you could possibly have five different servers sitting behind this reverse proxy and the reverse proxy knows where to send the traffic based on the domain that you input. So usually if you had, let's say five different web servers or if you have five different servers that need to access port 80 behind your router, um, you 
before, if you don't have a reverse proxy, pick one, right? If you're in a, if you're in the environment where you have one IP address. So one IP address, you open up port 80. Well, you can only, only forward port 80 to one server. Um, but if you need to go to more, this is where a reverse proxy really helps out. You put it behind, port 80 goes to the reverse proxy, and then based on what domain you put in, it sends you off to the correct server. Um, so what I used actually with the reverse proxy was Let's Encrypt. So um, Let's Encrypt uses Nginx uh, as its reverse proxy. And the great part about Let's Encrypt is it does two things in one. It's a great little Docker. So all of these are running in Docker on Unraid when I'm talking about these. Let's Encrypt gives you two things. Gives you the reverse proxy, also gives you SSL. So it gives you those certificates for SSL so that all of your connections are through SSL instead of being through uh, a non-encrypted version. So you're using actually port 443 instead of port 80 and you get an encrypted um, connection back to your server. So Let's Encrypt is like the number one, get it installed. If you're gonna be accessing anything from your Unread box from outside of your house, uh, of course you can always do a VPN to be able to get to this stuff, but it's much easier to be able to do it from domains. And so when I talk about that, we're going to pretend for a second that I have the domain Uyghur.com. I don't. I wish I did. I really need to figure out how much someone's willing to give that to me for. Um, but so for all these I'm going to talk to you about, I have Let's Encrypt set up to be subdomains of Uyghur.com. Again, I don't own that, but if I did. So for uh, we're going to move into Nextcloud. And for to go back to our example, for Nextcloud, I do nextcloud.uyghur.com. That hits the reverse proxy and sends it to the right Docker container on Unraid. And so you can access all these things by having different subdomains. So you guys get it. You guys, you guys get the point. But so we'll move into kind of the apps I use and what I use them for. But uh, Nextcloud, I have been raving about, you guys know, for like the past few months, every time I try and squeeze in the show, like... Jim's are or my next cloud is Jim's version of HelloFresh, right? Jim loves talking about HelloFresh. I love talking about NextCloud. I love Unraid, but NextCloud has really been my my one true love uh, for the past few months. I just and, wish I was known for a technology thing and not a food thing. You, you probably know? are, but yeah, recently right. it's been HelloFresh. It was know? Drobo for a while, but no. There you go. <laughs> So for Nextcloud, uh, there's a lot of different options out here. When you guys, if you guys are running a, a NAS at home, if you're running Synology or I'm sure Drobo has one, QNAP has one, they all have the ability to have a file server. But a lot of those, you know, just they aren't as snappy. They aren't as full featured as you really like. Nextcloud, I compare Nextcloud to really a G Suite um, that you own at home. So when you have Nextcloud, you Nextcloud is document storage, document syncing amongst all your devices. It can do contacts, calendars as well. So I run everything through Nextcloud now. I don't use iCloud for contacts. I don't use it for calendar. I use Nextcloud for my contacts, my calendar, and my document syncing all in one. And the great part about running your own Nextcloud instance is you can do it for your whole family. So Hannah has an account and she uses it as well. You can share calendars back and forth amongst users. You can share contacts books back and forth amongst users. And really where I think this would shine is if you had a family that was on different devices. Jim, I think actually for your family, um, if they needed this type of stuff, this is great because when you use Nextcloud for your contacts and your calendar, you know, it's platform agnostic. Doesn't matter what phone you have. Doesn't matter what computer you have. They use uh, the WebDAD standard. So uh, CardDAV and CalDAV for your contacts and your calendars, which you can access really from any device. And then when you go to sharing, again, doesn't matter what platform you're on. It, you all go back to Nextcloud. And I, Hannah and I have a shared family calendar. We each have our own individual calendars. 
we have a shared address book where we can start putting contacts and things like that. Works really well. And then when you combine that with uh, Collabora, Collabora is an open sourced, essentially think of it as Google Docs. You com- you add that in to NextCloud. And so when I go to NextCloud, I can just create from the web browser, create a new document. And it's just like Google Docs. You can do documents, spreadsheets, things like that. All built in, again, all open source and all free is NextCloud and Collabora. Can't say... Um, can't speak highly enough about NextCloud. I think it just it works really well. The setup, you know, it it does take some time if you're doing Unraid. I will suggest if you are an Unraid uh, Space Invader, uh, his YouTube channel. He has a bunch of tutorials. Unraid themselves promote Space Invaders videos. They put them on his like their front page, of their website. They love them. This guy is fantastic. Follow his tutorial for setting up NextCloud, and uh, you'll have it up and running, and it's super easy. So obviously that that's the big one. That's what my server is mainly being used for. So the next one down, something I had never thought about self-hosting is a password manager. So if you guys have any interest in self-hosting your password manager, whether it be for cost, which let's be honest, the cost for a lot of password managers is minimal these days, worth it to go with whatever whoever you're with. Um, but if you're more of a security person, wanting that all stored locally, don't want to have to worry about that being stored somewhere else. Bitwarden is a great option. I actually learned about that from this community. So thank you to everyone here who suggested that. I had no idea that they had a self-hosted option, but got that installed. Again, same thing. Got a family set up, right? They call it, um, I don't know what they call it over there. I think they call it a corporation or community or something like that. And organization, that's what it's called. She set up a different organization for your family. I have put everything in there. We've talked about password managers, but it's the same sense of I have identities for all four of us in there. So you can go pull us up, see our social number, all of that. And again, all of it's stored encrypted on my own server, which, you know, a little bit of peace of mind there for storing. So again, both of these. So then there would be bitwarden.weger.com would, if you're outside the home, get you back into the homepage for your Bitwarden vault. And again, that uses the reverse proxy. So the reverse proxy here is key to self-hosting all of these devices. You really wouldn't be able to do it without a reverse proxy. And especially with Bitwarden with Let's Encrypt because Bitwarden requires SSL connection um, to to function. So you're going to need that SSL. So the next two are kind of interesting. Next one down is Grafana. So I have actually it flow through Let's Encrypt so I can access my Grafana instance from outside my network. And that is because I use Varkin to, Varkin is another um, Docker that pulls all of my Plex data and organizes it in a way and kicks it out into a Grafana graph, into a you know a dashboard where I can view. And so I can see all the stats from my Plex. And actually Varkin pulls in from a lot of different sources. So if you use any downloaders or if you use any request engines, um, so if, like, if you set it up where you just type in and it will request the show and put in a request engine for you, uh, it pulls all of that and puts it into one. So it's really cool. So Grafana, another one that I use. And again, I have that running through the Let's Encrypt Reverse Proxy. Unify controller. This has been really cool. This is one where um, everyone knows about if you run Unify equipment for your network, for your access points, your routers, it's beneficial. You don't need it, but it's beneficial to have a controller to view all the dashboard. That controller is what pulls all the the data, pulls all the metrics um, from your network, and it kind of dumps it into the controller and gives you that access to see the data, to control it, to make changes to your network. 
So I actually host my Unify controller in a Docker container on my Unraid. And the reason I do that is it kind of separates it out. I don't, because most people may might use a Raspberry Pi, but this gives it all the horsepower it needs, all the storage it needs. And then it also makes it really easy with the reverse proxy to use it for my outside people. So I manage a few people's networks who also use Unify gear and all of their networks ping home to my controller. And the benefit to that is I don't need to buy or the client doesn't need to buy a Raspberry Pi or something to run the controller at their place. And I don't need to get a VPN to get access to it. All of their devices ping home to my Unify controller here. They're all set up on separate sites and it allows me to have one Unify controller for multiple sites, multiple different deployments of, of Unify gear works really, really well. So if you guys are, are deploying Unify um, systems at all, I know you guys probably have. And a lot of people, you know, you either do or don't do the managed services for them. But if you are going to manage their network service, if you're going to be in charge of making changes and monitoring for errors, monitoring for network downtime, things like that, it's the it's, it's a way to do it because then you only have to log into one controller and you have access to everything. So the next two, pretty simple. Everyone knows about these. Don't need to go into too much detail, but are Plex and Tatuli. So Plex obviously being your media server. That's my media server of choice. Usually most people are either MB or Plex. I'm a Plex guy. I love Plex. Uh, we use it for absolutely everything here. We use that. And Tatuli is a super simple Docker container that you guys can install to get uh, data from your Plex on statistics, who's watching what, most watched movies, um, all sorts of data. If you are running Plex, just install Tatuli. You will be shocked at the cool um, interface that it gives you and all the data. We already talked about uh, Varkin. Again, that kind of goes along with Plex. It does a different kind of sort of analytics on your data from Plex and sort of thing. So if you have a need for Varkin, you'll know about it and uh, and you can but check that out. If you, especially if you share your library with others, I'll say that. If you share your library with others, Varkin is a, is a good um, tool to use. And then the last two, really for Unraid, Time Machine Destination Backup, where in Unraid, you can set up certain shares to export out as a time machine destination, meaning that the max on the network will see it as an option when you go for time machine backup. Uh, for those of you who have never touched a Mac, time machine is kind of an incremental backup for the Mac where you can uh, you, you set it and kind of forget it. And then let's say I deleted something last week and I need to go back and recover that. You can, quote, go back in time, scroll through your time machine back up to that time and find the file and bring it back to the present and, and drop it in. So uh, Unraid does have the ability to be a time machine destination. I do use that for all the Macs in my house and it works really, really well over the network, especially now Unraid released an update not too long ago that allowed for time machine to be over SMB instead of AFP. Uh, AFP, Apple File Share Protocol, used to be one of the only options for Time Machine, but that has been updated. By Apple, you can now use SMB, and Unraid finally kind of released that where you can turn on Time Machine via SMB, and it works much better, a lot less glitchy than AFP was. And then the final one I'll talk about is how I back up my backup. So I consider Unraid kind of my central repository for backups for all my computers. I didn't talk about it, but I do back up all my other machines to the Unraid box. But then it's okay, how do I back up certain critical data from my Unraid box to uh, offsite storage? And I use Duplicati. So Duplicati is really easy to use, streamlined Docker container. Uh, you fire it up, you tell it what shares of your Unraid box you want to back up, and you can, it gives you all the options that you would ever uh, want from a backup service. And then you can send them out to 
local or offsite places. It's really an all-in-one backup utility. You can use it to backup anywhere, uh, but I send all that to Backblaze. So obviously I don't back up my entire server, but I back up the stuff that uh, would be sensitive that I need if something were to go down and I send that all over to Backblaze. But uh, that in a nutshell, that's not everything, but that is a majority. That is the main critical stuff that I run on my Unraid box. And Jim, we've talked about this. The great part about Unraid is that all of these that I mentioned run in Docker, um, which means that I could run a lot of these things on other machines, you know, other Windows machines or Macs, things like that. But with the Unraid box, there's no overhead. And all of these, you can definitely limit their ability to use CPU, RAM, things like that. But I have, I let them all just go wide open because really the only thing that goes crazy here is Plex. When it's transcoding, it's going to take up a lot of CPU. Um, but these all have almost full access to the, the CPU. And it's a great, great way to run all these in a Docker container, especially because they're all siloed off too. If you need to make some changes, uh, blast something away, recreate something, very easy to do. And if you're on Unraid, I'm sure you know about community applications, but if you don't, <laughs> when you first fire up Unraid, the first thing you should ever install with Unraid is community applications. That is the repository where you can go and find these Dockers and the, the template's already built for you. And you can easily, within two clicks, install Plex. You can easily, within two clicks, install Grafana, Bitwarden. All of these uh, essentially came from um, someone in community applications. Oh, super cool. While you were talking, I you reminded me I needed to cancel my Plex account. So I was like, and I've been paying <laughs> While the I'm raving about Plex, you're like, I need to cancel that account. No, I, well, I just haven't been using it. You know, Joe offered... In the email he'd sent about the cigars, he'd offered to send me a copy of Media Center because I've been, we've been talking about that as well. And I was like, well, I appreciate that. I really do want to move off of Media Center and have a dedicated PC in the living room. That's just kind of one of the things I'm looking forward to getting rid of. And we're going to find a way. When that goes away, we'll find a way to get that done. But I bought the Plex Pass. I wasn't using it. I just I really was not using it. It just didn't make sense. Five bucks a month. It's not that much. But just I'll buy it again if that's the direction we're going to go. I know it works. I can set up a Plex server or do whatever I'm going to do when we get to that point. Yeah. I do have Plex running on the NVIDIA Shield right now as kind of the Plex server, and it's doing its thing. Uh, but I just, again, it's, I don't really need, I don't really need it. I'll take it back if I, if I need to get that done. So it also reminded me, I should probably check my credit card to see what other, um, services I've subscribed to, you know, you're mentioning all these things and it's like, okay, have I done a good audit on my card just to make sure some of the things that I've canceled are actually being canceled because you do stuff like this and you start setting up, you know, maybe it's a subscription here and a subscription there for some of the things that you're doing. And then you go, and then you forget about it. Mike, how long do you think, like you're pretty fast at turnover when we think about technology and like, yeah. oh, I'm going to, I'm tired now. I'm going to move on to something else. Is this, I mean, it sounds like you got other people involved and you got family involved. Yep. It kind of sounds like you're committed at this point. Yeah. I, I would say I'm pretty committed, especially, you know, I, I kind of dope, but a lot of this stuff, I say that, you know, I'm committed to next cloud. Like I love it. I don't think I'll switch just because of how much I love the product, but with all of these, um, with the exception of Plex, and unify all of this stuff. I could go out and easily copy this stuff over and be, I could be, I could be off the server in a day if I needed to. Um, Bitwarden, 
that was the easiest thing to ever set up because it has LastPass has an exporter and Bitwarden imports and it, you pick, you tell it you came from LastPass. That's where I was coming from. And it took two seconds. I was up and running, um, literally two seconds. And so a lot of this stuff in NextCloud, all that would be is copying over to OneDrive or, or Dropbox or whoever I wanted to go to. So the copying time would be the most for NextCloud. But besides that, a lot of this stuff, you know, if it ever became an issue, I could be off of it but I really enjoy having it self-hosted. And I think one of the big things here is unlimited storage, essentially, right? I say that, but um, it's just buying another hard drive. And so I'm not paying a price each month for some of the storage. And I'm not worried about, uh, you know, I'm not worried about, okay, am I going to go over a data cap? Am I doing it at that? It's self-hosted. I have the backup, so I'm not worried if there's a flood in here. Um, I could be back up and running. Now, would that take me longer than if I was not self-hosted? Of course, because if I wasn't self-hosted, it wouldn't be an issue. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it's kind of worth it, right? Right. Take the odds of this place flooding and that server going out. Um, also, Unraid is great with if certain components go out, being able to just move to an entirely new box, plug in the USB stick, plug in the hard drives, and it's going to work. It just fires right back up. So uh, I've kind of, and I've had to go through that a few times. We've talked about some of my woes with my uh, cache pool crashing with app data and having to rely on backups that I've done. And I've now gotten it down to a science because I had to do it twice. So <laughs> I kind of know my backup and restore policies pretty well and uh, and how they work. Um, Mark did ask a question. He said he was shocked Plex doesn't use the video card to transcode. And it does. Uh, I just don't have a GPU in this rig. I should put one in. I've been wanting to put a GPU, but I can't justify spending a couple hundred on a GPU just for Plex transcoding. Uh, if I was using it for something else, um, maybe. But uh, I, I've been looking to maybe pick up a cheap GPU, something that someone's had laying around, something like that, just to have some sort of GPU transcoding, but it does. So you definitely can can transcode on a GPU with Plex, with MB, on Unraid. It uh, takes no time at all. There's a few extra parameters you have to add into the Docker template. And then one setting in Plex, and, and you're good to go. I do have a pretty nice media center box that's got a bunch of GPUs in it that I'm not really using. So I would make a pretty good, uh, a good, pretty good Plex box. If I have to come back to it, I will probably. That would be a great Plex way. box. Yeah. yeah. And especially yeah. if you have multiple users trying to, you know, if you had Sammy using it at school, things like that, multiple transcodes, that's where that GPU really does help out. Yeah. I could put a couple GPUs on that box. No kidding. Uh, so I don't, I wonder if it could use multiple. That's a good yeah. question. I know it can do one with no issue. Um, using multiple, that'd be interesting. Yeah. We just, our TV consumption right now is just media center work. Sarah's really the only one that does it. Sammy's using YouTube for everything. Like she just, or every once in a while, it's a Hulu or a, you know, an Amazon or whatever. And it's just, I don't know. We just don't right now. We're not in a spot where it matters. When that box goes, I feel like there's enough things. I'll be honest, that YouTube TV thing was pretty cool. And that's 50 bucks now. Yep, and I'm sure that price is just That's what we rely on for TV. Um, I'm sure that price is just going to keep going up. You know, I just, I got that feeling. It's so good. And they got so many great things in there, including local yeah. channels and sports. And you are, it's really a cable replacement, not a cable cutting thing. And then I'm hearing a lot of comments from guys who say, well, we're pretty much to the point now where, I'm paying for much for all these subscription services as I was for cable, or it's pretty close, right? And so cutting the cable anymore, you know, you kind of go, well, do you really want to hunt around for things or you just want them all in one place? Yeah. Well, I think at some point you're going to be pretty close. I think of it as two different things. Are you looking to replace content to watch or are you looking to cut the tape, cut the cable? Cutting the cable to me means 
I want to stop paying my cable provider and I want to do something else, or I don't need cable channels. If you need cable channels though, there are other options. YouTube TV is a, is a cable cutter option, meaning like you're cutting the cable to cable. Right. Well, I guess that's not true. No, because you're still you're getting, still, you're still getting cable, getting right? It's not a cable cutting. Right. It's more of um, just replacing your cable provider. That's what YouTube TV does. Sorry, I had it mixed up. That's yeah. what YouTube TV is doing. If you want to get rid of cable, then you have to mean that means you're finding other entertainment mediums. That's your Netflix, that's your Amazon, that's your Hulu, all of those sort of devices. But what I was finding was even with cable, even when I have cable, there are shows that I love on Netflix, on um, Amazon Prime. So I was going to keep those anyway. So those were just those those were set. I needed those. We're going to watch those shows. Then it became how do I decrease my cable bill? Because I also need cable from, you know, in our house. I can't I am not to a point where I can give up on live sports. I'm just not there. And there are other shows that we also really like to watch through on some of the cable networks. We were able to give up those, but I said, I can't give up my live sports yet. I'm just a sports nut. It's what I watch every single day. So we said, okay, well, YouTube TV, at least that takes it down from, you know, a hundred bucks to 50. Good. That saves 50 bucks a month. We didn't even take into consideration Netflix, uh, Amazon, Hulu, and those, because we, we knew we were going to have those no matter what. Yeah. 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 I just, and I'm finding I'm watching most of my stuff on YouTube, you know, just, I got, I've subscribed to a couple channels. I really like, I have enough subscriptions that I, I have enough to watch. It's kind of like podcasts. I've subscribed to just enough podcasts that I I can't get through them all in a week. So I'm taken care of, like, there's always going to be something there for me to listen to something that I like to listen to. And uh, YouTube is the same way. I've got enough things going on that I can catch the shows that I want to watch. So interesting times on that, Mike, that's a great overview of what you're doing. I know we've kind of pieced all those pieces at various times. We had the guys from, uh, from Lime Technologies on here talking about Unraid. So it's pretty cool. It's just hilarious that we're still talking about this, even though that's the home server stuff from a long ago, but um, pretty cool. So, Mike, thanks for taking the time to kind of work through that tonight. And and if you have questions, you can contact Mike. Um, uh, do that in our Discord group. That's where we have an unraid group in there. That's probably what this is best for, the average guy.tv. Yeah. Slash. And all that stuff's in the show notes as well. Just so cool. it'll be listed out there, all the different stuff that I mentioned. All right. I'll, I'll move those over as well. Mike, one more thing before we go. Bitdefender has been a, a kind of been my security. You know, I have the Bitdefender box. I'm on version two of the Bitdefender box for those who are keeping score. I've uh, been working great. I just upped the subscription again for another year. It's like a hundred bucks. Right? It gets me unlimited Bitdefender across all the, all the networks I'm on. It's really kind of, it's really kind of nice because you can just, Put it on and you're not thinking about it. It defends both the PCs that you have it on as well as there's some stuff going on on the box. It's, it sits right up there. That's why I'm looking up there. And um, uh, But, man, they have really been up in their game on the client. And it is one, I, I, I swear to God, they're trying to keep up with uh, Acronis because Acronis is another one of those companies. They must be making subscription bank at this point because... At the rate they're adding features, and it and it seems, at least at this point, I've got it on the main PC here. You know, the old days of Norton and McAfee where those those applications were just crap, right? They would just right. consume everything. This Bitdefender Total Security, that's what I'm running, kind of the full suite on here, seems really, really light. I'm never like, huh, I wonder if that's that antivirus. And you know, you know, when you things start to slow down and you go into your, you know, you go to the the Windows manager and you're like, okay, task manager, what's going on here? It's never Bitdefender. 
And uh, and they've just added, you know, they've got antivirus, right? Antivirus firewall, anti-spam, which is which is you know again typical. They're they're doing a bunch with ransomware now. So a ransomware remediation, you can set some standards, you can protect some files so that maybe you keep all your files in a single folder or a variety of folders, and you want to just say, hey, anytime something changes there, don't change it until I've approved it, right? So they can lock that lock that piece down new some new features which is i think for a lot of people is 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 kind of needed if you don't have some kind of something or you're not being careful with that file shredders password managers all those things you can encrypt files on it safe pay comes along with it or they'll keep track of those pieces webcap protection webcam protection right so it'll it'll will alert you if your webcam if something grabs your webcam other than in my case if something grabs my webcam other than hangouts Okay, I want to know, right? I want to know that thing is on if it's on. Um, although, why anybody would want to watch this guy down here <laughs> doing crypto? I have no idea. Most boring hack of all time, right? Be like, mm, is that guy picking his nose? That's yeah. exactly what they would get if they're watching that. Um, uh, they've added a new anti tracker too, as well. That's the kind of the, on the newest update where you can install their software in the browser. You can get these on plugins, but. For folks that are kind of looking for security all in one place, uh, you might want to take a look. I mean, Bitdefender's been doing some pretty cool stuff in in this space, and they have a really nice single app. Works pretty well. Not very intrusive. Uh, I've been using it for a couple years now, and uh, works out pretty well. So one of the things I, I've been running that on my main box and some of the stuff I use all the time, and then everything else I've just been using Windows Defender on. It, it gets It does the Bitdefender does get a little aggressive with the crypto stuff that we're right. using and I could exclude it and, and that, and, but it's not, it's not that it takes zero resources. If you have a really slow or a very old processor, it's not very powerful. They will kind of recommend if you're like, you know, if I think it's like 1.4 gig or under, they're kind of like, mm, some of the things we need to run are going to take a little bit more. Right. pieces, but kind of interested in what where you've landed. Chat room, let me know right now. Where have you landed on antivirus? Are you using Windows Defender and just letting it go? It's getting some pretty decent reviews. Nothing's perfect, but um, it's getting pretty decent reviews. Microsoft has added some capabilities too with the web, and it's updating faster and it's getting better. Uh, some of the work they're doing with Azure is making Windows Defender just kind of a better product. Um, or have you gone with uh, your own whatever? Like to know what you're using. Send me an email, Jim, at the average guy TV. Love to hear from you on that. It's just one again, one of those. We, this isn't intended. Maybe if we get some feedback on this, we'll do kind of a security show where we kind of work through some of the options if it's interesting. Love to hear from you, Jim, at the average guy TV. Mike, anything else? No, I covered all the. Yeah. Yeah, nice, nice good. job. Cheers, good work. I just talked about Unraid. I was all excited. I took a nap. Why, yeah. why, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, no one else. Hopefully, I didn't put everyone else to sleep. No, no, it I, might have. I, though, I'm know. super tired, dude. It's been, it has been, uh, it has been, it's been so crazy. I haven't even eaten any HelloFresh. That's not, it's not technically true. Uh, it was really cute. My daughter, Sammy, she's been on here before. I get a text from her, actually, a Facebook message today. She says, Dad, uh, I'm gonna be at the library, but if you get home before me, there's a white um, there's a white container full of yesterday's HelloFresh that we saved for you, so you can have that for dinner tonight. My daughter, twenty year old, twenty year old, you know, she's twenty, and she's thinking about you know 
dinner for dad, which was which was pretty cool. And it was pretty delicious. Even the second day, I think some folks on that HelloFresh stuff, those those prepared. I'll be honest. They're fresh. They I we've we don't like we haven't they haven't been the most eaten leftovers like they they oh, they're really? yeah it's weird it's weird some of it some of it is it takes a little more because of the way you cook it, it takes a little bit more preparation to make the leftovers and you're kind of like I could just cook it yeah right you know and where typical leftovers are literally take it out of the fridge put it in the microwave take it out of the microwave eat it right. And so some of these you don't want to mix together, right? They got fresh ingredients. You kind of want to warm them up and mix them. And then you're like, ah, could you cook a could could uh, cook another meal? So if you're uh, if you're still struggling with that, I got a bunch of coupons for it. HelloFresh, just send me an email and uh, we'll get those um, over to you. We are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at theaverageguy.tv slash live. Mike and I were talking. Uh, we got some. I'm trying to line up some guests for the future. I've been real busy. I get a little more to that after, oh, I don't know, after this week, things slow down a little bit. July 4th is coming up. Father's Day in a week. So men, I don't know, milk it for all it's worth. I'm just saying, like, take advantage of that. It's your day if you're a dad. If you're not a dad, make sure you call your dad or whatever you do, whatever traditions that you have. It's a good day um, to do that. Looking uh, forward to that. Mike, I wish you were going to be around. I'd come by and Maybe enjoy. We'll have to do it the weekend. Maybe the weekend after or something. Yeah, yeah. Together, at least around the fourth, for God's sakes. We gotta figure out how to get that done. We also want to thank Christian over at uh, Maple Grove Partners. Of course, get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting over there. Maple Grove Partners. Uh, if you want information, hosting as little as ten bucks. He pinged me on Monday. I had a week. I wasn't in at all. This. I it's coming home at midnight, waking up at six, and going going back into work this week. And um. On Monday night, he pinged me. He's like, dude, you want a podcast? I didn't even see that message till I came in today on Thursday. I was like, sorry, I can't. Uh, I was I was out all week. We'll try and get him back in and get a Cyber Frontiers going as well and uh, appreciate his support of the show. Thanks for doing that. And then, of course, one more reminder, if you want to get download the free app for iPhone or Android, HomeGadgetGeeks.com gets that done as well. Uh, we'll see you next week. Hopefully, the voice will be back a little bit. My voice will be back, not the voice. I think that's over, but my voice will be back with that one.